Welcome to the newest Eden Center podcast, Building Ourselves Through Parsha. Our host, Karen Miller-Jackson, will use the Parsha to explore an aspect of social, emotional, or physical well-being relevant for 21st century life and its challenges. Karen is a certified Matan Moralalacha, Jewish educator, writer, founder of Kivun Lashirut, a guidance program for religious girls, and creator of Power Parsha. Consistent with the Eden Center's goal of enhancing women's spiritual life through Torah and Mikvah, Karen's insights, we hope, will serve as a springboard for self-introspection and discussion. Hello, everyone. This week's Parsha, Toldot, begins with a scene of heartbreaking yearning, combined with inspiring commitment and hopefulness. We hear that Rivka, like Sarah before her, is Akara, unable to conceive. We meet Yitzchak immersed in prayer, and Rivka is praying as well. This is remarkable considering that according to the Talmud, they waited 20 years until Rivka conceived. What was the secret of their ability to remain hopeful for so long? Before we explore this question, it is appropriate to mention that this week also marked the celebration of the Sigd for the Ethiopian community here in Israel. Partly, the Sigd is an expression of this community's long-term faith and ability to remain hopeful for the return to Jerusalem after many years of longing and yearning. After my brief Tvar Torah, we will hear an interview with Bran Werku, an Ethiopian-Israeli student, about her family's aliyah and about the significance of the Sigd holiday. In our lives today, whether it is issues of fertility, health, or not being able to travel easily and see loved ones, how does one remain hopeful? Yitzchak's way in the Parsha is through prayer. As we know, each of the Avot are connected to Tfilah. Masechet Brachot contains a debate about the source of the requirement to pray three times a day. One opinion teaches that the three daily tefillot were instituted by the three avot. Avraham fixed the shacharit prayer, Yitzchak, Mincha, and Yaakov, Aravit. Each verse cited by the Talmud uses different language to describe tefillah. Also noteworthy is the narrative context of the forefathers' tefillot. This highlights the diverse nature of tefillah whether from a place of suffering, thanksgiving, or personal requests. For Avram, the word is Amidah, standing in prayer, like the Amidah or Shmonasre. He stands, prays in the morning, as stone is being destroyed. The word used for Yitzchak is Lasuach, understood to be a kind of meditative conversing. He is praying in the afternoon, hence he institutes Mincha, after Sarah has passed away and before Rivka has arrived to become his wife and source of comfort. Finally, Yaakov, the word used, is vaifka, an encounter. This takes place at night, when he has left his home, when he is uncertain and likely anxious about his future. Each word describes a different kind of tefillah. In this week's Parsha, yet another word is used to describe Yitzchak's tefillah, providing further insight into the purpose of tefillah. The Torah reads, Vayatar Yitzchak lahashem lenochach ishto ki akarahi. Vayater lo Hashem vatar rifka ishto. Yitzchak pleaded with God in the presence of his wife because she was barren. And God responded to his plea and his wife, Rivka, conceived. There are several unique elements in this pasuk. First, the fact that Yitzchak davened lenochach ishto is understood by many commentaries as both Yitzchak and Rivka davening together, a sign of their unique and strong relationship. Moreover, the same word is used for Yitzchak's pleading 
and for God's responding to his plea. Various commentaries suggest that this word, vayetar, means an increase in tefillot. Rashi, in particular, explains that this indicated an urgent increase in his tefillot. Perhaps tefillah became an outlet for Yitzchak. The more he longed to have a child, the more he entreated Hashem. The Talmud suggests an interpretation which relates to both uses of the word vayetar in the verse. It takes the word vayetar and likens it to the Talmudic word for pitchfork, eter. Why are the prayers of the tzadikin likened to a pitchfork? Just as this pitchfork overturns the grain on the threshing floor from place to place, so too the tefillot of the tzadikim overturn the mind of Hashem, change the mind of Hashem from the attribute of cruelty to the attribute of mercy. This uplifting drasha on the word vayatar explains that Yitzchak, who was a tzaddik, whose tefillah was so powerful, was capable of changing God's decree. Radak adds that Yitzchak prayed in Rivka's presence since it helped him to focus his tefillot. Her presence and their faith and their regular tefillot gave each of them strength to remain hopeful for such a long time. The stories of the lives of the Avod and Imahot provide models of faith, and we mention them in our tefillah in the hope that our prayers will be heard through Shrut Avot, the merit of our forefathers. But the description of the various times they turned to prayer are also models for us as we navigate life's challenges to remain strong and hopeful. May our tefillot be heard and answered. Shabbat Shalom. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Eden Center that works to improve the life of Jewish women and families. Mikvah attendants make a huge difference in a woman's experience of mikvah. Join our upcoming English language mikvah attendant training course starting December 2nd so that you can also impact women's immersion positively. Write us for more details at info at badandcenter.com. Baran Werku is 22 years old and made Aliyah to Israel as a baby with her family. Today she lives in Ashdod. She did her community service as a tour guide and also helped Ethiopian families who have recently made Aliyah. She studied at Nishmat and she currently is learning tourism and hotel management at Ben Gurion University and working at a government office. Bron, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you here. Me too. Thank you also, Karen, to bring me here. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Um, Bron, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where do you and your family live in Israel and um, what are you doing? What, what are you doing in life? Are you studying, working, both? What are you up to? Tell us about yourself. So my name is Bran. Um, I'm 22 years old. I'm living in Ashdod. Um, I have six siblings, including me. I'm the older in the house. Um, I'm learning at, uh, I'm a student in Ben Gurion University. I'm learning hotel and tourism management. Um, Bran, it's Amharic name. Uh, it's mean Don. I was uh, born in Ethiopia. I made Aliyah when I was five months, uh, and I came to Jerusalem. And mm. what else do you want me to say? 
until and you said you're studying you're working and i have to share with the audience that we um we met at the nishmat um celebration of the chag hasigd and that you studied also at nishmat you're a graduate of nishmat which is a wonderful program you've also studied torah yeah, <laughs> we studied torah and i was in a program that's called the uh, mayan um basically it's for the ethiopian girls um it came for like encouraging the culture and don't be shy of who you are and also like learning Torah and everything. I did it uh, last year and it was a meaningful year. Amazing. And you have great English and I know you've spent a little bit of time in summer camp in America. So that must have helped. Yeah, that's helped me too. <laughs> also movies and songs, you know. Fantastic. But also this. But amazing, really fantastic. So this week, um, the Ethiopian-Israeli community celebrated Chag Hasid. And um, not uh, everyone is familiar with what exactly this holiday is. And I would love for you to share with us how you celebrate it um, and what is the meaning behind the Chag Hasid and if, in particular how it is meaningful for you and your family. So the Sigrid itself, it's uh, occurring 50 days after Yom Kippur in Kafchet mm Bechashvan. -hmm. In Ethiopia, basically what the Jewish community did, they, um, they went to uh, the peak of a mountain and then they were praying there with the Kesim. The Kesim, they are the rabbis of the community. Uh, they were fasting and not drinking, not eating, nothing. And at the, at the peak of the mountain, they were praying forward to Jerusalem. And they were, they were reminding to the community um, the connection between them and to Hashem. Mm -hmm. And to remind them and also to encourage them to do mitzvot. Um, and even though they were not together with all Am Israel, even though that we are in Ethiopia, to encourage them to do the mitzvot and remind them everything. And why they choose the, the peak of the mountain? Because it symbolizes Mahamad Har Sinai. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, after, after all what they did and the praying and everything, they were going back, they were marching to the village. And then, then they were eating and celebrating and with a wish that next year it's going to be in uh, Jerusalem, in Eretz Israel. So when we are here in Israel, we celebrate this in Armon and Atziv, it's Jerusalem, um, that it's in front of a hotel. Um, wow. And also there you, you can see the Kesim, um, you can see the Kesim uh, blessing uh, everyone and praying and uh, with hopefully for all of Israel will be here together. And I saw, um, do you know uh, Sivan Rav Meir? Sure. <laughs> so she said something that really beautiful and I really liked it. She said, um, we are 50 days after, like the Chag it's 50 days after Yom Kippur. So it's really time to think uh, what have I done after 50 days? All the promises that I that I said that I'm going to do at Yom Kippur, like I'm going to, I don't know, uh, not speaking bad about people or 
um, keeping more Shabbat or like keeping more news, everything. Like you said, a lot of things went at, the, at that day. Yes. So, okay, you are 50 days after it. Did you, did you maintain something? Did you wow. stop doing something? Why did you stop? Um, it's like a time for Cheshbon Nefesh um, that you can really think how, how to uh, maintain what you promised to yourself and how to make this better. So this is what I'm doing this and this day. Like I'm really thinking um, what have I done during the 50 days and how can I be better at the promises that I, that I do to myself. And um, yes, this is the sig. It's really a good day. It's a, what a, what a beautiful day. idea. What a beautiful yeah. idea. Are there special foods? Um, no. no but, but, a, exactly. but a meal. But you do have a meal? It's yeah. not a fast. Yeah. You, you have a meal. Yeah. It, no, it's a fast day. But after mm. you finish in the fast, like after half of the day, I think in 2020, 20, no, on 12 um people starting to eat and um jera you know the the yes. traditional food wow incredible incredible so um in my dvartora this week and parshat toldot i talk about rifka and yitzhak waiting and longing for children for so long for 20 years and one of the ways they kept strong was through tefillah um, and the ability to keep hoping and longing and not giving up hope reminds me of the story of the Ethiopian Aliyah and the Ethiopian Israeli community um, and a little bit about Chag Hasigd. So can you share with us a little where, where did you come from? When did your family arrive in Israel? And, um, and how does the waiting and not giving up hope relate to your experience and to the, in particular, your personal experience, your family's experience, and your community's experience? Um, I will try to answer that. It's so a big question. Basically, <laughs> my, yeah, me and my family came here in uh, 90, uh, 1998. Uh, we came to Jerusalem. Um, to the Givata Matot was uh, Ulpan, Merkaz mm. Klita. And before we came to Israel, uh, my dad moved from uh, uh, Gojam to Addis Abeba, the capital city of Ethiopia. And then he started a journey that uh, happened three years to get all the approvals that uh, he can come to Israel. Um, but he wasn't with my mom. My mom waited to him at the village because uh, because when you're moving from a village to a city, it's really hard. And if and my dad didn't want my mom will suffer in the city. Like you know, you're just like a village girl and waking up at the field, and then you're waking up at the at the city and don't know what to do. It's really hard. So my dad yes. uh, did all the things by his home by his own, mm. and. It took three years, and after the three years, my mom uh, joined him, and then they moved to Israel. Um, but it, my dad told, told me that it was a harsh time to him, like mm. really hard. You don't know where will you get your food. You don't know what you are going to work tomorrow. You pray that you will come to Israel, and you pray that you, uh, your wife will be with you as soon as possible. 
so I believe that uh, every time the community pray to come to Israel, and still they're praying because they are still a Ethiopia that are waiting to, to do Aliyah. Mm. And I think that when you think about the, the target to come to Jerusalem, like all the time they dream of the community, it was coming to Jerusalem. And this is what kept them to keep praying, keep mm. um, hoping and talking to Hashem. Like my mom still, she, she doesn't read it from the Siddur, but she keep praying from, from herself. Like, you know, she keep talking to God, to Hashem, Kilo. Like, you don't, sometimes you don't need a Siddur to pray. You can talk to Hashem like that. In Hasidut, right. it's called the Itabodidut. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's what the community do. That's what my mom do. And wow. um, like, to think, what, what's your target? And, and believe in Hashem and talk to Hashem and pray to Hashem that He will bring you to what you want. So my, my parents wanted to come to Israel. And eventually that happened. And I'm glad that I'm here. I'm glad that my family is here. We still, we still want my my uh, mom's family to come up, but uh, I, I wish and I know that it's going to happen. Wow! I wish you so much, Bhatslacha, to your family with that. Um, it is. It was such a pleasure to speak to you. And um, you know, in some ways, our stories are so different, but we also have something to share. We're both Olim. And we both, you know, the Jewish people waited to return to Israel for so long. And, um, and so really thank you. And it should only be um, much success and Hatzlacha. And I'm sure you make your family very proud. <laughs> so Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Karen. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for telling me. Thank you for um, giving me the space to speak. So I wish you... Shabbat Shalom, and to all your community, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Tadaraba. This podcast is hosted by the Eden Center, whose goal is to reinvigorate the ancient female ritual of mikvah as a sacred space for women and use it as the natural platform it is to connect to Jewish women's health, well-being, and healthy relationships, enhancing Jewish women and family life. We invite you to visit our website, www.theedencenter.com, to learn more about our work in making mikvah relevant, welcoming, and meaningful. This episode is recorded by Karen Miller-Jackson, edited by Micah Shore, and is a product of the Edit Center. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sponsoring a podcast in dollars or shekels at bit.ly backslash E-D-E-N-P-O-D. Additionally, give us a five-star rating, share this podcast on social media, and encourage others to subscribe. We welcome your feedback by email at podcasts at theedencenter.com.